first meeting in his name, he spent many hours alone in his bedroom. The only time he saw staff was when he, when it was a meal time or he needed personal care. But he spent many times alone. We moved his room and set up a unit that was just for people like Frank. And in that unit, we put um, staff who we had trained in working in a sensory way. We provided the unit, we put things in the unit for people to look at. Fiber optics, music, um, soft toys. So we stimulated the environment. This man had not spoken for five years. Keep that in mind, five years. The first time he'd spoken in five years. His doctor, this was in a rural um, care community, his doctor actually drove an hour and a half from one rural town to the other that afternoon to hear this man speak because he had cared for him for five years and he had never said a word. It's always about connecting with people. I'll just um, show you this. This is called Alive Inside. And some of you may have seen this, um, but this is about how we can also use music to connect and to stimulate conversation with people. She started shaking her feet. She started moving her, her head. Her son was just amazed. Okay, can we stop? Because now I'm getting a lot. <laughs> I'm seeing her all over again. Thank you. 
his reaction every sense. <laughs> the philosopher Kant once called music the quickening art, and Henry has been quickened, he's been brought to life. Yeah. I'm gonna take the music for one second, okay? Just the actual few questions. Okay? I'm gonna give it back to you. The effectiveness doesn't stop because when the, uh, the headphones are taken off, uh, Henry, normally mute, virtually unable to answer the simplest yes or no questions, is quite voluble. Henry? Yeah? Um, do you like the iPod? Do you like the music you're hearing? Yeah. Tell me about your music. Well, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't have one on my name. Do you like music? Yeah, I'm crazy about music. You play beautiful music, beautiful sound. Did you did you play music when you were, uh, were you, did you like music when you were young? Yes, yes, I did the big dances and things. What was your favorite music when you were young? Very, very impaired cognitively. 
We then did Montessori training and the manager decided to change the environment. So the next day, she set all the dining room tables up with activities and signs that told people what to do. This lady got off the bus. She'd entered the day centre for three years. She got off the bus this day. She walked through the door and she was walking to the couch and to start her knitting. And as she walked past the table, she saw an easel that had been set up with a sign that said, please draw a picture. And she sat down and she proceeded to draw that picture. Now there's quite a lot of detail on the dress of the, of the girl and the pumpkin even has a face on it. The staff were absolutely gobsmacked, but they had never ever seen this lady do anything other than knit and sleep in the three years that she'd attended. And that's about offering people opportunity. Offer them opportunity and you'll be amazed at what they can do. Certainly, you know, we all like to handle things and pick things up, and as you well know, um, you know, this is how tools came into being. Um, and certainly when older people, again, with dementia pick things up, we often say no, we think they're going to break them or eat them or again take them. Um, and so we take many things out of the environment. Um, and, you know, the environment that we create should be filled with things that they can work with, that they can use and that they can manipulate. We often, um, you know, also, we take away activities from the environment so people have got nothing to do. People, generally, we like to be kept busy. We need to provide opportunities for people in care communities um, at all stages to have things to do all the time. Activity areas that we need to, be, to create throughout care communities um, where people are always able to find things to do. And, um, you know, elderly people, like many children, enjoy doing things over and over and over and over again. Initially, they do it to master it, but then there are a lot of activities that they do out of the sheer enjoyment of doing it. Um, and so the environments need to provide and meet this need. There are just some examples of, you know, three activities that can be left out um, throughout the environment um, for people to have things to do at all hours of the day or night. Certainly work um, is so important. We feel worthwhile through our work and work leads to feelings of accomplishment and self-respect. Dr Montessori believed that it was through work that a child constructed his true self. It may be said that through work, older adults retain their true self. This is a lady that I first met uh, a number of years ago now. She uh, was living with depression. She had been admitted into a care community because her family were no longer able to support her. She used to lie on her bed and when you went in to ask her whether she'd like to participate in an activity, she'd start crying and say, please leave me alone, I, will, I wish to die. Why doesn't anybody um, understand that I don't want to be here? We then were looking at putting Montessori in place throughout the care community and knowing who this person was, this lady had worked for years and years and years at the Travel Lodge Hotel in Sydney 
answering the phone and registering people and checking people in and checking people out. That was something she'd done for so long that that was a strength that I knew that she had. So I went and asked for her help. And I said, I need your help because the girl, the young woman who works in the office has a morning tea, afternoon tea and a lunch break and I've got nobody to answer the phone in that time. Would you be happy to sit in the office and answer the phone for us? Well, I, I think that that moment she grew about two inches in stature. That was the first time that anybody had asked her for her help in all the years that she'd been there. And she agreed that she'd give it a go. I have to tell you now that this lady organises another three residents and the four of them person, the admin office in that care community every day from 8.30 in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. <laughs> they run the office. Now, the funny thing about this is that the, the young woman whose job it was didn't lose her job. She got a promotion to the executive <laughs> assistant for the, for the manager. These, this lady runs the roster, and they have these, the residents who do this job have even learned to transfer calls. But as I said to you, the money that the manager saves now, she's put directly back into client care. So they have got another 1.5 positions or whatever of a staff member on the floor to work directly with the residents, which is just fabulous. When you walk through the doors of this care community, the first person you see is a resident who lives there. And the care manager who I've delighted working with over a number of years, um, and she said that's the way it should be, and they're the face of this care community, not me. But as I said to you, this lady worked for the travel lodge for many years. This care community where she lives is called, would you believe it, Elizabeth Lodge. <laughs> so she worked at the travel lodge, she lives at Elizabeth Lodge, and every now and again she answers the phone and she says, Good morning, travel lodge, how can I direct your call? <laughs> She did it one day when I was there and the manager and I was standing there and the manager just looked at me and went, if they want me bad enough, they'll ring back. <laughs> and, and, and that's about that, that attitude. Um, and in the big scale of things, it doesn't matter. These ladies here do the do vegetables every day that the kitchen then cooks for lunch. Every day they prepare the vegetables, they sit around the table, notice um, in that picture the large knives. I have to say to you, in two years we've not had an amputation or a laceration. <laughs> These people have been using knives for years. For years. Why would we think that because they're living with advanced dementia that all of a sudden they're going to cut their fingers off the right person for the right job? Uh, these uh, are just another couple of um, examples of residents contributing to their community and changing lives. Um, the lady on the left of an afternoon goes around and gives other residents neck and shoulder massages. Um, she was also a lady who would never come out of her room. Now she's out every day. The whole world has changed. 
The man in the bottom is an was an industrial cleaner. He cleans all the tables and chairs after every meal. He's got all day to do it. And then he starts on the windows and the handrails and the window sills. They've got the cleanest windows I've ever seen. <laughs> he can come to my house. <laughs> um, and certainly, um, you know, the lady filling the water jugs, she saved a staff member an hour and a half every afternoon. Um, and that staff member said, I can actually sit down and talk to people now, which is just fabulous. Um, we set up a shop, a Montessori shop, one of the care communities. We set the shop up for this dear lady here. This is Lil. And we set the shop up for Lil because Lil grew up in a corner store. Her mum and dad had the good old mixed business corner store and uh, she would play on the floor and when she was old enough, she'd deliver people's bread and milk to them. So that was familiar to her. We needed something for Lil to do in the afternoon because of an afternoon she got agitated about going home to mum and dad and that she had to get out of here. So how did we redirect her? How did we find something that had meaning that would take her mind off that? We set up the shop and everything in the shop we labelled with a round sticker. And we taught Lil that the yellow sticker means it's a dollar. She didn't need to remember anything. She's living with dementia. She couldn't remember anything. So we needed to set her up so that she wouldn't fail. Um, Lil ran the shop every day for an hour by herself with another resident. It was never set up to make money. It actually now is making money, believe it or not, which is quite amazing. Um, but we taught Lil to use a template and um, she will refer to the template, and you'll see it in a minute in a video. The other thing that we did was we had to put other activities in place to teach her the skills that she needed. Because when Lil worked in her mum and dad job, it was pounds, shillings, and pence. Australia turned to the decimal, um, to decimal currency in '63. So we had to give her other activities that reinforced the skills that she needed. So she did matching activities and matching a dollar to a dollar and five dollars to five dollars. Simple mathematics, you know, three minus one. Those, all of those sorts of activities she was given at the other times that she wasn't in the shop to support the skills that she needed. Um, and here she is in the shop. Now the, the sound on this is a bit difficult. So I hope that you can hear it. But this just says it all to me. This is one of my favourite videos. As I say, this lady has severe cognitive impairment. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know what day it is. And yet here she is. She can run a shop. This says it all about changing what we do. Everything she needed was in front of her. 
and there she is. Um, absolutely wonderful. Um, we have a lot of intergenerational programs uh, uh, and these are just a couple of pictures of um, the people from a memory care unit that go into a little kindy every week and they work with the children. The, inter the lady on the left with the little boy, Margaret, has very advanced dementia. She wouldn't be able to do a jigsaw puzzle if you put it in front of her and there were, um, unless there were probably five, six pieces. But she sat next to a little boy who had um, autism, he, and she would hand him a piece, and he would place it, and she'd smile and gently and quietly encourage him. She just was with him, sitting by him for an hour and a half, or whatever time they were there. And every now and again, she'd hand him a piece. And the teacher said to the staff member, he will be talking to her by the end of the year. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and she, Margaret wouldn't have been able to do it, but she sat there and quietly encouraged, just with her quiet presence. Quite amazing. Okay, now, um, Anna, I'd just like to show you this little video. Anna is a lady who um, attended our um, day respite program and she was the, she was the type of client that you love to hate. Anna was the person who would help non-ambulant people out of their wheelchair to take them for a walk. She would be the one that would give people who were on fluid only or soft diets boiled lollies. <laughs> so Anna was the sort of person you needed to have eyes on the back of your head for. And again, like many people with living with memory problems, she would become quite distressed in the late afternoon. So how are we going to um, divert that? She would talk about her mother, always um, giving hand massages to her as a child. So we gave her her own hand massaging room, and that's exactly what she did. Um, about two weeks after this video was taken, Anna was taken home by the daycare staff. Her daughter lived a couple of houses along from her, and Anna lived in the house where she had lived all of her life, all of her married life. It was on a rural urban fringe in Tasmania, so um, her back fence was a bush, bushland. And her husband, many years ago, put a gate in the, bush, in the fence for the children to be able to build their cubbies and play in the bush. Anna had been living there with dementia for five years by herself. She had never shown any evidence of wandering. And this particular day, about two weeks after this video was made, she went in the front door, she went out the back door, down the steps, out the gate, and she was found four days later dead. And there was a, there was a lot of there were a lot of people around who said, "Oh, she shouldn't have been living by herself." You know, we cannot lock somebody with dementia up because they might wander. People have the right to take risks, and there's that dignity of risk. Um, and that was a very unfortunate accident. Um, her daughter gets some comfort in knowing that um, Anna spreads the word about the value of Montessori for older people. Um, through this video. So here you are, here's the lovely Anna.
These pictures here are taken from the Memory Care Unit over in Perth. Um, I've had the privilege of working with a, an amazing woman who is the CEO, um, and it didn't matter what, what was suggested, Sonia would always say, well, we'll just have to make it happen. She renovated a memory care unit that had a large fence around it to stop people with dementia from wandering away. And she said, we're going to renovate it, we're taking the fences down, and we're opening the doors. And she said to me, she said, Anne, this Montessori, you say that they're going to be happy to be there, we won't need fences, will we? And sure enough, to this day, they have not had somebody take off. Why? Because the residents are engaged and they're happy. They're happy. And here are just, they do their own washing, there they are, they're involved in the day. The flow of the day, the rhythm. I talk about um, dementia tai chi and um, you know, about moving with the dementia and flowing with the dementia. And in a Montessori environment, that's exactly what we do. Move and flow with the dementia. That's why residents are happy. Um, you know, life itself is a risk and we cannot eliminate risk without eliminating the person. People have the right to take risks. Now, Dr Montessori's fundamental belief um, was that the prepared environment provides all of those things up there. I'm not going to read through them all because I'm running out of time. Um, and also about, um, you know, the materials that support um, people to be independent um, and to um, function to their highest level. Now, she said that the first aim of the prepared environment is, as far as it is possible, to render the growing child independent of the adult. I say the first aim of the prepared environment is, as far as possible, to render the older adult as independent as possible. And we talk about um, independence, you know, how do we do that in a Montessori environment? Labelling things, how can I get myself dressed if I don't know and can't remember where my underpants are kept? Um, you know, the picture on the right was for a man who lived at home who received meals on wheels, but he needed to know how to heat them independently because in, unless he could heat them, he needed to wait for somebody to come and heat his food up for him. Uh, this is just an example of um, having cupboards where people can see through. They don't need to remember what cupboard the cups are in, um, and it saves labour. Uh, this was for a lady who lives at home who wanted to be able to make her own cup of tea or coffee and have a piece of cake and a cup of coffee at any time without having to make sure that somebody was there. She would make a cup of coffee and forget to boil a jug or she'd forget to put milk in or whatever. So by using Task Breakdown, she's now got that at the back of her on her splash pack in the kitchen. She can make her own cup of tea or coffee at any time she wants. Um, these are pictures from China of, again, signage to support people so that they can make choices about the food that they want to eat um, and what the food is. Um, there we've got, um, this is a memory care unit where, ev where everything people need to know is in front of them. Uh, residents serving their own um, dessert. Um, people being able to enjoy morning tea. Um, look, how, look how beautifully dressed these men are. You know, look at them. They've got high self-esteem. They're not sitting around waiting to die. They're sitting around enjoying high tea 
um, and chatting with one another. Every day holds the possibility of something amazing happening in a Montessori world. This lady here has very, very, very advanced dementia. She um, lives in a Catholic Homes Care Community and she scoops, she can scoop her food, but she could scoop her food but could lift the spoon to her mouth. So she'd scoop, 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 mix, 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 mix. <laughs> That's what she did at mealtimes. And her, her language was this. D D D D D D D D D D D P A D P A D T T T T T T T T T. If you asked her how she was, that's what you get. Nothing made any sense. Sometimes the letters put together would spell a word, but often they made no sense whatsoever. Veronique, the staff member that you see up there, decided she was going to, after doing Montessori training, she was going to teach this lady to feed herself. So every day, twice a day, for lunch and for dinner, Veronique sat next to her and helped the lady. The lady could scoop. There was no problem with the scooping. So she'd scoop and Veronique would then bring her hand up to her mouth. She'd go down, scoop, and Veronique would bring her hand up. Every day for months. At the end of the meal, Veronique would set her up with a whole lot of little... Um, little objects ranging from miniature fruit to miniature uh, to coloured balls to um, anything that was bright that would attract the lady's attention and she would give her a range of um, bowls in different heights and sizes and she would leave the lady to sort. Now the lady was too impaired cognitive to mix the, to sort the red ones from the blue ones but Veronique thought that she'd just be able to move things around, which the lady did. So she would fiddle and move things around. But the good thing was that she would lift things up and put them into buckets. Right? And so while she's doing that, she's doing that. So um, by using a whole range of buckets and different sizes, what she was doing was giving the lady the skills that the lady needed to be able to do this to feed herself. After many months, Veronique walked into the unit one morning before lunch and noticed that the ladies had caught her eye. And she went over to this lady and she, as you do, got down at eye level to say good morning to her. And the lady's hand went out and grabbed Veronique on the side of the head. Veronique thought that she was going to slap her. And the lady pulled her into her face and said, as clear as a bell, my name is Mary Smith and I have got nothing to do. Veronique had to excuse herself from the ward, from the floor, because she was so touched by that. She said, I have worked with this lady for months and months and it has taken this long for her to trust me enough to talk to me. Today, when you go into that unit, that lady can feed herself again, but when you talk to her, she goes T T T T T T B B B B B. She makes a conscious decision not to talk to you. But Veronique goes in and she'll 
talk to Veronique. Amazing things can happen when you work with people and have faith in what people can do. Life is given meaning by what we do, um, and certainly for um, you know people living with dementia, they need meaning in their lives. Um, again, the people at Catholic Homes are so proud of what they do that they make me all these videos <laughs> to show me what, what they've done with Montessori. And, of course, it's fabulous for me because I'm then able to share them with the rest of the world. But um, they're just so proud of their work. Um, and it's wonderful. Now, I need to say that they, they set up a lot of their programs with not, not, not huge budgets. You know, you don't need huge budgets to change outcomes. Montessori environments lead to um, improved relationships between staff and between residents, clients, families. Um, better visits with families. I feel very sorry for families of coming to visit people in care communities that are not focused um, on outcomes for people. Um, I always think of a, um, a businessman uh, living in Melbourne whose mum was in a care home and he would get off the tram in his $500 suit in his briefcase and come in one night a week and he'd stand there moving from foot to foot and he'd say to his mother who was um, very, had very advanced dementia, so how are you today mum? And she'd go, all right. I saw that there was an outing up to Big Market. Did you go on the outing? Haven't been out of this room for months. What did you have for dinner then? They haven't fed me. And so the, the visit would go on with him becoming more uncomfortable as time went. And in the end he'd say, oh, I better go now, I'll miss the tram. And he'd kiss her on the side of the face and walk out. And I saw this happen and my heart broke. And I thought, when his mother dies, that is the memory that he will have of a lady who was so impaired, his mum, who was unable to say what she'd done, how she was, or if she'd even eaten a meal. And I thought, how sad is that? So I worked with the staff and I said, we're going to change that. This is not good. The next time he visited, the next time he visited, I said to him, I went to introduce myself and um, said, you know, could I see him? And we went into another room and I said, I couldn't help but notice how uncomfortable you are visiting your mum. And he said, oh, my hand isn't that obvious. He said, I feel so guilty. She's got two grandchildren at home that I don't even bring anymore because how can we talk to her? He said, I come out of guilt. He said, and I stay until I can't stand it anymore and then I leave again. And I said, well, I acknowledge that it's very difficult for you, but I didn't want to talk to you about that. I need your help. And he said, you need my help. He said, I'm a bit like a fish out of water in an environment like this. I said, no. I said, I actually need somebody to run a Montessori reading group of an evening. And I thought you'd be the perfect person and your mother could be part of the reading group. And he said, my mother in the reading group? I said, yes. I said, do you know that your mother can tell the most amazing tales about growing up in the Northern Territory and riding bareback through the paddocks across the country? And he said, 
my mother can do that? I said, yes. She's got amazing stories to tell. And so to cut a long story short, I worked with him. He now visits twice a week and he runs a Montessori reading circle group for which his mum is part of every reading circle group. And I get a little sense of satisfaction knowing that when she passes away, that is the memory that he will have of his mum forever. So better visits with families is a fabulous outcome for people, as well as, of course, enhanced quality of life for the person who is receiving care services. It's not, you know, the journey for staff. The journey for staff is, can be a big journey, getting them to change what they do. Um, this is a lovely little short video on Katie's story that is self-explanatory, but about how it's also a journey for of change for staff. I've always told my two boys to fair hearts. I was working in a local coffee shop. Who is she? said one elderly lady to her friend. Oh, she's a single mother with two sons. They'll end up feral. I plonked their coffee on the table, smiled and thought, if I ever go back to nursing, and you come into my hospital, watch out. I'd recently returned to a place that I knew well, new home, new job, and two young boys. I had followed my heart. I needed to follow my heart again. I needed to go back nursing. I did eight years as an acute nurse. I loved it, but something was missing. A check of the roster. Oh, two days of Montessori training. Do I have to do this? I'll never stay awake. I sat on my seat, no idea of what was to come. Five minutes into the session, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I needed to do. Tears filled my eyes. I realised what we could do to make things better for elderly people living with dementia. We listened to the residents and heard their stories. We focused on their strengths and abilities and not on their weaknesses and disabilities. I couldn't wait to be involved in the culture change. We involved the families in their lives. In fact, we take on their families. One man wore a helmet, used a walking frame, had falls when he came to us. Working with him to develop his fine motor skills, he learned to walk without a frame. He no longer wears a helmet and he feeds himself again. He used to cry and now he smiles and laughs and thanks me every day for being there. I've always followed my heart, but if it hadn't been for those two elderly ladies in the coffee shop, I might still be making coffee instead of making a difference. One of the things that I always say is that it's, you know, I talk about honouring and respecting our elderly people. And that doesn't stop when they die. I was in a care community and in a care community and they had a death. And the question came, where was the body of the person? The body was in the basement. So the body's down in the basement. I said, what's the body doing in the basement? And they said, oh, that's where they go. And the funeral director then comes and gets them from the basement. And I had a conversation with the manager and I said, you know what? Your residents are good enough to walk through the front door of your care community when they arrive. And when they pass away, they're good enough to go through your front door. 
And so what started then in our Montessori environment, the communities, is that the residents leave the same way they arrive, through the front door. And what happens in, in this one particular care community, one of them, the um, director of care after the first death had called them to start together and she said, right, if anybody passes away, they are to stay in their room and we will farewell them in the way that they deserve. So she had the first death, as you do in age care, work in age care, people die. And she made an announcement over the PA and she said, Mrs. Bloggs is about to make her final journey through our corridors. Anybody who would like to come and farewell her, please join me in reception. And so the undertaker came and um, wheeled the body out. She stood there by herself. Second death occurred and she said, Mr. Smith is about to make his final journey through our hall. If anybody would like to join me to farewell him, please join me in reception. She stood there by herself. Third death did the same thing and there happened to be a good old domestic, a cleaner, who was cleaning the floor up near reception. She didn't go and stand next to the manager, but she stood close by, leaning on her. Now if you go to that care community, they have three um, cross um, patchwork quilts hanging on the walls that for every resident who passes away, the residents make a square for a quilt, something that reminds them of that person. And they've now got three big quilts. When somebody passes away, the body is draped in one of the quilts and they have a guard of honour. And just about all the residents and as many staff as possible will line the corridors as the resident is moved out and taken away. Um, you know, that's about respect. That's about honouring people right to the very end, even after death. So it's not just about care um, for little people, for old people. Um, it's also about caring for people after they die and showing that same level of respect and um, honouring to them. Um, just recently, the Sydney Nursing Home had a death and the funeral director pulled up with his car and he said, where do I load the body? And the manager, the Elizabeth Lodge one, the manager said, oh no, our residents go out the front door. She said to the funeral director, and he went up to the room and got the body and came down. When he came out of the lift, because it's a multi-storey care community, all the staff and the residents had formed a guard of honour. And the funeral um, director wheeled the body out and he was gone quite away and he came back in and he was crying. And he said to the manager, he said, I've been in this business for 30 years and I have never in my 30 years of being in this business seen something that has affected me quite so much as that what I've just witnessed. He said, I remove a lot of people from aged care communities, but this is the first time I've seen a guard of honour and respect for who that person was and for what they've contributed to the community. So, you know, there are many ways that we can change lives. I'm going to finish with a little video. This, one of the things that um, we work with, we work with families, and often families um, don't have the opportunities 
to be mother and daughter, um, husband and wife, you know. And so we put on a, uh, a dinner dance for a group of people with memory impairment and their families. And we, um, it's in a Montessori community and it's about, you know, offering opportunities for everybody. So we did a dinner dance. Uh, a lady in this who um, video died um, two days after this dinner dance, and since that time, many of these residents have been passed away. Uh, but it's just a nice little way to um, end, and here it is. Here's the Yuri Amiak dinner dance.